Oh, there was yeah, yeah, well, there was dude, Smallville. Was huge. No, but there was a, was a Veronica Mars. Was, oh yeah, Veronica Mars. Yes, yes you were a Veronica, yes, Veronica yes. Mars. Dude, I was a huge Veronica Mars fan. Yes. Let's leave that out of the podcast. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. This land is your land. I'm Steve. That's Ernie. <laughs> we uh, we're coming um, with a special guest today. We got Larry Rudabuka, who's here, uh, old friend from college. The reason I wanted Larry in particular is because Larry is someone I, I, I you know we've been friends for a long time. We follow each other on social media, and you know I know Larry's very uh, thoughtful and outspoken on issues of social justice and race especially in the black community you know be, as being a member and so uh, that's why i really wanted to hear larry's perspective and you know have him on the pod obviously it made little sense to just have us two on here so and not have you know the voices that are pertinent to this conversation so thank you larry thanks for coming on no problem i don't know the Larry's like full background, but Larry, were you like, give me your, like, you were born in California? Like, I don't know. What's your history? So I was actually, okay. Yeah, I was born in Michigan. So I was born in Michigan. Um, and so Mm -hmm. my family's originally from Rwanda. So we've gone back and forth. Uh, my dad, we came here because my dad was here for higher education. The plan was for him. To, to be able to come here and get his, you know, doctorate, to go back mm-hmm. to Rwanda and then stay there and teach. Um, obviously, the uh, the genocide that happened in 94 kind of threw a, a wrench mm-hmm. in that plan, and then we ended up just being here. Um, and so I have spent most of my life probably in California and then definitely in the United States, but I was in Rwanda mm-hmm. for about four or five years as well. So I think for me, maybe that's why some of this really resonates a lot. A lot with me because I've been here for the majority mm-hmm. of my life to see these instances. And you, I think that in I think having that a- African background gives you like a perspective that's probably different than the average, like you know, whatever the quote unquote average, exp- you know, black experiences, like black American experiences. You have like you probably get more of a sense of the colonial overtones and like that sort of you know that whole aspect of it is probably you have you come at it you know it gives you like a different perspective on it yeah for sure because i think um i think sometimes i think we talked about this too with like tribalism right and we talked about how within the same community or group 
there's always going to be a mm -hmm. almost like a ranking system. And so coming here, uh, being African, right, to see that, you know, my parents had an accent, right? Uh, we have different values. We have different, we have a different culture. But at the end of the day, that mm -hmm. doesn't matter that you're still judged by your skin. Um, and that no one is going to take the time to actually know the difference, understand the culture, try to get to know you as an individual, and as a person. Um, you're, you're just going to be judged purely on the fact that, hey, you're black. That's it. And I have my assumption or my judgment already of what mm -hmm. uh, characteristics uh, of yeah, a black person. I mean, right? I, the, the reason I was asking so that is that context, it really kind you know, of just in similar way, like, you know, my my parents came here but i was born here and i feel like growing up and even now like i i always felt myself as being an american you know and you know it's it i feel like it's a little different now i mean i i still feel like i'm an, an american but i know like you know people a lot of people especially if they're not they don't know enough they they would say they they don't think i'm american you know if i run into people every now and then they'll just you know they assume i'm indian you mm -hmm. know and just from india like they don't know unless they hear my accent you know then they can assume that but i just remember growing up i always was i always was i felt like proud to be an american but i don't know like how do you feel about that do you do you ever f feel that like I'm proud to be an American. You mean the patriotism aspect? Yeah. Yeah. I've always felt that. Um, because this is a country that mm -hmm. gave my family that opportunity as well. Right. So our original reason for coming yeah. here was because of that opportunity and being able to, you know, get that education for my dad and then go back and use that, right, as a, like a launching pad really to, to help Mm -hmm. you know, our country, our communities get better as well. And so being born here, and I think you guys can probably relate to this, right? There's a difference in um, being born here mm -hmm. and being a citizen here, right? It's really something mm -hmm. that's valued yeah. back home for all of us, right? So I think that adds another layer of patriotism because you're like, you're so proud because our cultures have taught us that if you're an American, mm -hmm. that's like an amazing sure. feat, you know? So I don't think anyone is going to look at it and think like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm not proud to be an American. Now, right. you can be disappointed, right, in, in the value mm -hmm. system and how it's not applied to everybody. And, you know, but I don't think yeah. there's I don't think it's a pride issue. And I think that's where there's the disconnect with mm -hmm. even the Colin Kaepernick situation, right, because it was yeah. shifted to the American flag. And when you shift the narrative to the American flag, everyone is going to be offended mm -hmm. right if you're not yeah. um yeah. respecting the flag right so it, it's really an easy mm -hmm. thing to use right it's almost like you, you know you you can bait someone into that conversation because as soon as you say that there's something wrong with the american mm -hmm. flag you got everybody on you right not just white america every single yeah. you know group race ethnicity because everyone has always viewed citizenship and being american as such a huge thing to right. strive to. You're achieve. not attacking Being. white. You're not attacking white America. So, you're you attacking somebody off. America. Tell them not. No. Right. Mm -hmm. 
you're attacking the world. You're actually attacking the world, right? Because, you know, America is like the end-all, be-all, right? It's the highest level of achievement, you know, either to be born in America or to have any mm-hmm. business here, all that. And so, yeah, no one wants to go against that. Because now you got, you're going against all countries, all groups, because mm-hmm. everyone wants to be here or wants that opportunity. I, or at least yeah, that's I, how it's I presented. Mean, I, you know, I feel like for me, I, I've always that sense of like patriotism. I, I still feel that way. I mean, to a large degree, I think I've had that since childhood. And then, you know, a lot of that is just learned ingrained from school or whatever, but I've internalized it and it's matured through the years of school and college and higher education and whatever. And I, I feel like now when you're when you love something so much you really want it to be the best and that means criticizing its weaknesses and criticizing the parts that are deficient you know and um you know i i think about this when it even when it comes to like uh you know like the lakers you know right my sports team the lakers I mean, I'm very critical. <laughs> Our sports team. My only team. <laughs> they're, they're, it's like I, I'm highly critical of my team. You know, like I'm very – when they make bad moves, you know, when they do things I don't think are right. I, I feel like in the similar way, I really want America to succeed in all areas. And that means – critiquing it criticizing it and that means pointing out where it's coming up short and wanting it to do better you know and that's i think that's the most patriotic thing you can do right not just rah rah america every time they do something even if it's terrible you know like yeah it's the iraq war all over again where we're supposed to all be um waving our flags in the face of complete stupidity it's like no this is a bad mistake we're not unpatriotic Mm -hmm. for saying so and i think kaepernick's and and other and the black lives movement and you know everyone that's protesting is doing the same thing it's not that we don't like america it's just that america's falling short of its ideals and what it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be and we want it to be better we love this country so much that we know that this is not what it it's this is not what it's supposed to be it's supposed to be better than this we're supposed to be yeah. setting the standard and this is far from the standard you know and i think that's where right you know that whole like you're either with us or against us mentality is really dangerous i just think yeah. it's not good for democracy either it's not good for the health of a nation yeah Definitely. Yeah. All right, Ernie. What? That's exactly. Yeah, yeah you gotta you be open to, to criticism, right? I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, that's just. That's the process. No, but nothing's nothing's perfect. Right. There's a reason we that's, do. You, you always got to get in, better. Yeah. yeah. We we think of the medical community or any scientific community. It's all journal articles 
And then you have people critiquing it and writing in saying, this is where you went wrong. This is where you went wrong. And, you know, it's not personal. It's just, yeah, people have to make their opinions known so we can make it better. It Like, these things only become better in the crucible of dissension and, like, conflict almost. Like, we need to have the strong opposing views facing off each other and hearing the rational arguments and then going forward. I think we, we also learned this in like leadership, right? And so if you have direct reports or you're in a leadership position and you're, you know, giving someone their evaluation, right? You good leaders ask for feedback as well as to how they can be better, you know, after they've given you um, you know, their criticism of whatever task, job, role that you have. Um, and it's because uh, someone that wants to get better and someone wants to be a better leader wants to know what areas that they can improve on, you know, to, to you ask people that report to you in a sense to point out your blind spots because, you know, by definition, they're your blind spots and you're not aware. So whether it's language that you use, how you send out communication, right, and how you set expectations, um, it, it's good to have that accountability so that you can improve. And it's never anything personal. You know, it can be tough, right? No one wants to be criticized. But if you're doing it from a place of, hey, I want to be- get better, right, so I want to hear from you, and yeah, it might sting a little bit, but we're going to be all better for it. I'm going to be a better leader. I'm going to be able to support you better. I'm going to be able to understand your perspective. And we can't lose from this. As painful as it is, like, you're going to be better. So why do we have that expectation for companies, for businesses, right, for organizations in their hierarchy of leadership? But then we we don't allow that for, you know, America or the government and all that, right? So how can we be so critical of that process when we literally live it every day in her in her work but this happened and i mean we wanted to talk about it but then we're also two like pretty privileged like indian dudes who like you know i mean you like text me right after george the george floyd and he's like we got to talk about this and i was like yo we like (laughs) this is gonna be serious topic i'm like we're like I feel like we're not going to come across like, you know. Yeah, you checked your resume. <laughs> You're like, I don't. It's like, I said, let's keep it light, all right? And then. And I thought, I mean, I was like, I mean, we. But then the more and more we we're, I mean, the more and more I've been like thinking about it, I was like, yeah, we should definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like something, it's like, I just felt like it was important, like, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and you see all your friends Mm -hmm. of all different ethnicities and races like talking about it. Everyone's talking about it. Especially your African-American friends are talking about it. And it's like it's a different conversation when it's all online versus in person, you know. Mm -hmm. And I know you for a long time, like me and you have always we've sent each other stuff like whenever this kind of bullshit happens, like we're always like kind of there's another mm-hmm. like you know yeah, for sure here we go again exactly. and i know you're really like keyed in in a way that i definitely am not you know into the community um and i just it's crazy because like the ahmaud arbery thing happened and then this george floyd happened like 
not that long after you know yeah back to back to back like we're trying to deal with one and another one hits and it's like we're still trying to process and then how do we just deal with all right. of it together you know it's been a lot it's a lot to deal with which case is more important i think the challenge really is that you know we usually we've had time in between events unfortunately right to process yeah you know but in, in this case it's just it was so fast and there's so many and it's just within such a short right span mm-hmm. of time you know um and this one was just so visceral as well too like we watched someone just die in front of us yeah you know and so it just really triggered probably a lot of people because of just how how obvious i guess um how live it was yeah and it's all happening under this like you know coronavirus like oh yeah corona like yeah Right. Yeah. We still got that. And like you would think people are inside, you know, like there shouldn't be much going on. And it's like all this stuff is happening even more. Yeah. But I think we also remember that with Corona, everyone being in quarantine, that added another layer of it as well, too. Like everyone's itching to get out, find something to do. And I think that's also part of why we saw, you know, the agitators in these peaceful protests, you know, and mm-hmm. it's all summed up under the umbrella of Black Lives Matter when it's really not the case. So I think that's something that we need to also recognize and understand, you know, it was just, yeah, it was ready to explode. People are just itching to do something, you know, and now you have an excuse in a way, right? And no accountability because it's hard to pick one from the other protester for who's rioting and looting. Mm-hmm. It, it just adds such complexity to it knowing you can hide under a a quote-unquote movement right so unless you dig in it's really tough for you to to understand those aspects and you can easily just gloss over everything and just assume everyone's out there just larry i had to start i like when steve told me you're gonna be on i was like i needed like i was really thinking about stuff you know discussions with other friends and family and then i like so i started making like just some questions yeah because I wanted to get your perspective on a lot of things. So, but we'll we'll, yeah. we'll get into it. No problem it. with the questions. Yeah, we're good. No. What I was going to say was my thinking on this entire issue, like the writing and cuz I remember when Freddie Gray happened in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And I saw those riots and I just remember being like this is so counterproductive. Like this is like it, and it wasn't like they were destroying police things. They were destroying like the CVS that like mm-hmm. all the every, everyone in West Baltimore was going to to pick up their meds or they worked at or that they picked up their groceries or whatever, you know. And I just kept thinking like this is so bad. Like I was thinking about it from like a political perspective too. Like if I'm trying to convince white America, yeah, right. If I'm trying to convince other Americans who are don't understand the black struggle, the black experience, and I'm like, I have this legitimate grievance, but then I'm like, the way I'm expressing it is this like violence and not everyone, obviously, but mm-hmm. there was like this, at least enough, obviously on the news, that's what's getting reported, right? Is the violence. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not like you're not going to win the hearts and minds you need to move elections. Like I'm thinking about it in that pragmatic way. My thinking on this has shifted quite a bit. I feel like in 2020 in like five years. 
and I still don't, obviously, I still don't condone, like, violence and, like, destruction or, like, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm not, like, I don't believe that's, like, the way to go about things. But I do think that it should not be the focus of any p- part of the conversation. Like, the focus is the focus. Some yeah. man, A man was killed. Mm-hmm. A man is an example of multiple people recently and throughout history of being brutalized by police. And it's not just like killing, it's not just cops killing African-Americans or Hispanics or other minorities. It's like they get pulled over more, they get harassed more. They get, it's just like, that's the worst thing is that they kill unarmed people. And then the there's like a laundry list of things that are just, they are just not as bad, but they are also bad. <laughs> that they would also normally be agreed. bad if you didn't like look at the worst. They, it gets, right, like, gets even counter- worse. You can't counterbalance that with like, well, it's like they killed someone, but these guys are yeah, like yeah. smashing a window. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, the, 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 like, listen, like a bar fight is bad too, but like killing someone is worse. Like it's at, it's like you, we can't put these on the same scale. Like one completely outweighs the other. And it's like, we'll clean everything up later, <laughs> you know? Like, we we can clean it up and talk about ha- other ways to go about things. But right now, the focus needs to be on the main thing, which is we shouldn't be having the police <laughs> use this kind of force against people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. any people, but especially since there's a racial element, they are... it's. Proportion disproportionately against black people, you know. But it's perspective, I think, too. You know, I think even if you think about your your mindset, your mindset, how it shifted from 2015 till now, um, it's probably because you started to yeah. try to get your opinion across, your views across before before like really going and trying to understand. You know, like yeah. similar to like Stephen Covey who says, you know, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you have to ask yourself, like, why is this happening? Right. What are the conditions that are causing this? Because if you take a step back and and just really ask that question first before you just have your own opinion that's based on, you know, some internal bias and, you know, some stereotypes as well, too, then you'll understand that these events, you know, the the frequency and how often they're occurring, there's a, a real problem. Um, and, and if you understand that perspective and you seek to understand really what's caused someone to react this way um, to protest or to riot or to loot, um, then you can start helping, you know, come up with a solution, right. you know, mm-hmm. uh, f- for people that have never seen any form of justice, justice, which is still undefined to a, a lot of black people. Uh, this right. might have been their only form, right. right? To loot, to riot. Okay. And so it's not right. We're not condoning it, but you have to understand that. Why are you comfortable doing that? Yeah. Why is that your only outlet, your only option, right? If, if you've seen a, a bunch of right. your friends, your family, your community, people just dying left and right, um, cops investigating, cops getting off, or whatever the case may be, but there's never been any prosecution, nothing that's been resolute and, yeah, to you, that- you know? So. That's, exactly. that's how you have to like think about it and say like why right what conditions are you in what conditions have caused you to feel that way that that's the only way you know how to solve things and that's different than you that's different than me and it's different than somebody else but mm-hmm. if we don't understand that we can't fix it 
right? We can't give somebody that chance because if their history right. tells them that, that the outcome has always been bad, they're going to assume even this next one is going to be bad as well too. So you can't convince me that the 114 cases I've seen that just have gone the wrong way, I need to have hope and that this 115th one is going to be okay, you know? So you have to understand that perspective and you have to take a moment mm-hmm. to just see, okay, why is this happening? Seek first to understand, then to be understood, right? Right. And that's just the ones that we know about. Yeah. That's just the ones that we know about, you know, the ones that are on camera. I and mean, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. It's a lot to understand. It's very complex. And so we can't just paint everything with this, this broad, you know, brushstroke, right? Um, because none of us have been in those situations. None of us lived in those, in that type of environment. And so right. in order to heal and move forward, we have to sit down together and just figure out, like I say, okay, here's my perspective. Here's what I think, you know, let me try to understand right. your perspective and how you think and how you came to that conclusion. What's your experience like? And what can we do together to fix this? So that way I can change your mindset because right. I feel like, you know, America's great and there's opportunity. But if it's, if that's not been the case in your situation, what are the issues? You know, I mean, there's, there's a breaking point. Yeah, of course. A, Everyone has a I breaking mean, we're, point. We're all humans, yeah. right? You know, mine could be 115, yours could be two. That's why I say it's complex, you know? But we never listen to each other. We never stop and listen to each other. We never take that break or that pause before we just jump on somebody. They say, oh, that's wrong. Why are you doing this? I, yeah, why don't you think Larry, this way? That's, I yeah? mean, that's exactly stop, that's the thing, right? Like, this is... Like, people are acting like the rage being displayed by the legitimate right. people. Not the, like, people coming in from the outside trying to agitate yeah, and cause chaos right. who have absolutely nothing to do. Mm-hmm. And they're just in there. That's a totally different issue, right? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about people with literal grievance, like, true grievances who are upset. Yeah. Like, that's that's a legitimate feeling. Like, if you cannot, you we are not robots. There's, there's like, historical African Americans are not robots. Right. Like, you cannot like be like these things are happening to my people, and then not feel a sense of absolute rage. Like, I think about how, think about like the father who confronts mm. the man who molested his daughter. Right. Like, what do you think? Is he going to be able to restrain his emotions mm-hmm. in a logical and like very, um, you know, uh, scientific way, the very objective, morally correct way? Like probably mm-hmm. not, right? Like yeah. that's why we have a justice system. But what if the justice system is like completely screwy for your entire race of people, right? Like what if it completely like like you are like okay this bad thing happened but at least we're gonna get independent arbiters of justice who will rule fairly on the facts but that does not happen like of like if that father is gonna have rage towards someone that did something to his family member like and you spread that out over an entire community and where justice isn't even served against the people who perpetrate those crimes like what level of rage is quote unquote rational or reasonable? Like to me, it seems like there's some rationale. Like we don't, of course, like we can't have a society where there's like no police and no order or whatever. Like, of course not. Like that, 
you know, it, it's, we don't want the Wild West. We don't want everyone being strapped in order to, like, protect their own stuff. Like, but I think especially when you have, like, the current, like, political leaders. And I think this also applies to some of the liberal Democratic places because we're seeing this in big cities. Like, I mean, I look at the response of a city like New York versus Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. Like, completely different. Like... You had the mayor of Atlanta, who's an African-American lady, you know, she came on and she can identify with the grievances. She can express it in a way and talk about it in a way that um, de Blasio in New York is absolutely not right. Like he's just cowering with the police. And then, you know, you get these different responses. So I, I mean, the political leadership is also lacking across the country from the president all, all the way down to some of these community levels. And so there is no one. Yeah, and de Blasio has an African-American daughter, I, right? Yeah. I mean, got de Blasio's a complete, yeah, yeah. he's so a train wreck. Cause you'd expect him to the, know and understand or maybe have a different perspective and have a little bit more context because of that experience. Yes. Right? But then it shows that you're, you're you only going to have But then blinders. he's a politician who needs to kowtow to the police yeah, unions. Yeah, but it shows you that there's... You know, even in that situation, you're still going to have a bias and, and, and blinders of your perspective that you've always had. And sometimes it never changes regardless of what your situation is in that environment or who's around you or, you know, you grew up with black friends or you, right. you have an interracial marriage or it's just so many layers, yeah. you know, but there's an expectation when you're in that context to, to have an understanding. And, you know, did sometimes you, um, it's not there. Larry, did you... Did you hear um, Trevor Noah's take on it? No, you know what? I missed it. I, I didn't get I, a chance. I felt like that was just like so spot on. Like I feel like of everybody that I've just listened to or heard, you know, I feel like it just his like explanation just like it just makes it doesn't even like sound like unrational. It's just like what was he sort of? What was I mean? He was his... just kind of talking about like when you when you when it's constantly like those that have are kind of oppressing the have-nots, mm. you know, it's, while in the normal world, it seems like this is craziness, when you're constantly being, like, in that position, it's it's not, it's, it is, like, a, just a normal thing, like, to, to like, get out of that situation. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it was more to it than that, but, you know, that's... Yeah. I haven't seen it either. Yeah, I, I, I haven't. Either. I heard it was. You good. have to catch it. I mean, it reminds me of just uh, that Tupac's interview and that perspective of, you know, we asked with the civil rights, right? You know, we've been asking, yeah. you know, so now what do you expect us to do? Ask again? You know, it's, it's just a really great summation of this whole process where there's been a timeline of just requesting and just, hey, you know, um, asking politely, asking again. And now you want us to continue to ask in a polite way when mm-hmm. the rest of us are still being killed. You know, the bodies are piling up, you know. So, yeah, how do you expect us to stay calm and ask in a rational way? Where asking for for decades, right, hasn't resulted in any major significant improvement in, in changing yeah. um, how we're viewed and how we're treated. And police brutality is a, it's a huge um, just really example of how right. how we are treated. I mean, overall. So, from like obviously we've been seeing this kind of stuff for a while, and I mean I think we're at a particularly 
like interesting point in history. You know, we've had this, we've been hit by like every single thing kind of all at once in like a year. <laughs> and that's just this year. I mean, if you go back to the beginning of the 2008, the economic recession, you know, and then follow that up with, you know, Obama coming in and what a lightning rod that was. And it sort of galvanized certain population, you know, of white voters in this country. And then you get Trump afterwards. And I mean, it it's like, I guess the question is, like, are things getting better or worse and so this is like this is one of the questions i have for larry like do you feel like the political leadership especially the president because i feel like some of these things were happening they they happen no matter who's the president you know like you could have like freddie gray happened during obama or like ferguson yeah i mean I I feel like that definitely politics has an effect like down the line, but is it something that do you feel like if you put the right position in this place that would make a difference, or do you feel like it's just the system is so bad no matter what you do there's gonna like I don't think it matters who's who's the president honestly yeah I I think that trust has been broken it doesn't matter right mm-hmm. because you're always going to have people that view things a certain way, right? Um, and that they're unwilling to come to that table and just sit down and have that conversation. And so mm-hmm. if you have, you know, Obama in office, people are going to feel some type of way, right? On both sides as well, too, mm-hmm. you know, black and white. Yeah. And yeah. the same thing with Trump, right? People are going to feel a certain way, or they are right now. So I don't think it matters. And I don't think if you put someone in office, you know, depending on their gender or race that you're going to say, oh, okay, now that we have this person and they have this type of, you know, background, you know, peace for everyone. No. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think the only way is that you just, you know, increase accountability, you increase some visibility to, um, you know, some of these injustices that have happened and you start fixing the system instead of just saying it right. Mm-hmm. And running on a platform yeah. that says you're going to change something, but then not doing anything. So, yeah, right. There's no I mean, trust, and I think period. in that sense, politics matters. I mean, in the sense of like, you have a president now who's literally just throwing gasoline. Yeah, on the I situation. mean, whereas yeah. Obama mm-hmm. was sending Eric Holder to Ferguson, they did a complete evaluation of like the department and departments around the country. Like, you know, I think it's a sort of incremental change that goes overlooked by activists. But I think it's important because it gives us so much data about, oh, the Ferguson police were basically funding their department by using black, poor black communities in Ferguson and like stopping them and giving all these small infractions for nonsense that they weren't doing anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And they were literally funding like that doesn't become evident unless they do that kind of deep research. And then, you know, a president like Obama would be more apt to try to do some sort of systemic reform, right? Mm-hmm. But, I, but then, I, I mean, I get your point too. Like we had Bill Clinton who right. was like the crime bill yeah, and he's exactly. a liberal. Right. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it, it's, 
it's an understanding and I think we're all kind of getting better at it to understand that it's actually local government that's important, you know? Yeah. And so I think Big the time. president is there to just basically be that calming voice, right? Yeah. And so you think about like 9-11, you think about Bush, regardless of how you feel about him politically, right? Being someone that's able to kind of stand up there and say, you know, we'll be okay, we'll be fine, right? And, and right. just kind of remind you of, of your values. At that point, you know, regardless of how you feel about him politically, right? There's a sense of like hope and of like, okay, you know what? This situation sucks, right? But at least we have somebody that's there to kind of remind us of, you know, our potential. You know? Yeah. And so and like from that they care. <laughs> yeah, and that they care. There's some empathy, right? And so mm-hmm. that's all you're actually really looking for, you know? Um, because everything else that really truly impacts you like on a day-to-day basis happens at the local level. That's where we need to do a better job, especially as minorities, in understanding that, right? And then being, you know, being players there, right? Yeah. Understanding which positions are actually elected, right? Going to those meetings, understanding, like, okay, how do we vote someone in or out, right? Right. Otherwise, we just kind of walk around aimlessly wondering what's going on, right? You know, why, wondering why, you know, you're, you're being pulled over every single time in, in your own, you know, city, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you you keep letting the the same sheriff, like, win the election every two years. Right. And so then you can't look to the president to change that. You can't be like, oh my God, every time I get pulled over, you know, I gotta go talk, I gotta go talk to Trump. No, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't, so that's why I say like, it doesn't matter who's there. To me, I always feel like it's, 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 it's almost like. You know, when you're you're your kids and you're fighting, right? And and you go to an, an adult, right, to just really almost like be be your peacemaker, right? Right. Yeah. And so you don't want the adult to say no or you go ahead and hit Steve again, right? Yeah. You want to be able to say, Okay, you guys, like let's stop, like what's going on, you know, give him his toy back or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But really the only person that has true control is gonna be your parents, right? And so yeah. I don't know if that analogy like really fits and ties in, but that's kind of like how I, I equate it where like you can't just every adult isn't going to be able to solve the problem for you, you know, but you'd hope yeah. that adult would be able to reason, right? Because right. of their position and their experience and, you know, their ability to kind of just balance that logic as well, right? But, yeah, you know, yeah. whoever controls things are your parents. They're the ones that control what happens in your house. They set the rule. They set the curfew, Right. They're the ones that determine whether you can you can go out with, you know, you know, your friends or they can come over, sleepovers, whatever the case may be, you know? Yeah. I mean it's They're the ultimate arbiters. To, yeah. I mean you can't change your parents out. I mean, I think that's where that analogy probably loses, you know, its point. Yeah. But I think overall the concept hopefully makes sense. Yeah, I think, you know, and I think this is where like young people in particular and I mean, I think just in general, people like we just don't value our right to vote at the same clip of a lot of other places around the world, like especially our local and state elections in our midterms. Like there's just the participation level is so low. And then we are upset. It's not value, though. I think that's it's not about value. It's it's understanding. So I think you have to change it because if if it's value. Right. Then then that'd be on us. Right. To say, like, okay, you know what? You know how important it is and you choose not to. But I think there's a lack of understanding, you know, because it's like uh, I I don't see to me. That's where I get confused. I'm like, 
we've had this many years. We've now had Trump. We had Obama. We lost the midterms during Obama, and therefore Republicans took over everything, and he couldn't pass anything. Like, we've seen all the different things that have happened in the last, like, 10 years, 12 years, like, 15 years, like, since the Bush presidency. Like, we've seen so much happen at a political level. How do people not see the value? Like, that's what I don't... Like, to me, it just seems like... Yeah, the, but you, the you grew up with The prosecutor in your town is someone that's elected. Like, get a criminal justice reform-minded prosecutor in there. You know, like, don't get the most, like, law and order guy. Like, that's... Vote that guy. Vote the guy that wants to reform the system in. Like, vote the sheriff in that wants to do community policing and is going to be, you know, like, walking the beat and the community and, like, is going to try to do nonviolent means yeah, but of... no one not everyone knows that though steve yeah like you're, mm-hmm. you're acting as if like everyone has that same information you know you're acting like as if everyone was involved right yeah like you were at puc right you were active right um I mean, and not everyone yeah. grew up like that to understand you know going back to it, what yeah. you said earlier mm-hmm. that that value you know yeah and so if everyone had that same background that you did right they probably yeah. would be more involved but they don't know Right. Why do you think so many people end up like taking a plea bargain? Right. When they get, you know, something that they probably if they had someone that actually knew the law and was able to help them and wasn't just a public defender, that they'd be good to go. Right. It's a a lack of understanding. You're trusting, you know, going back to that whole thing about an adult, you're trusting that, hey, just because I might not know you, but you're an adult. Right. I might not know you, but I'm trusting that you're going to do the right thing. Right. Because you're put in a place to do the right thing, right? And it's the same thing about police, right? You're always thinking like, okay, you're here to serve and protect. So I assume that you're always going to serve and protect, you know? But then that's not the case. And that's where that disconnect is, right? Yeah. I think, to me, I think if that's, you know, the value of voting... I mean, I think obviously there are structural things we could do to improve the value of voting, like making Election Day like a holiday or whatever, you know, like things that would make things easier for people to vote. I'm all for that. But I also am like voting is the thing. Like but in this country, I mean, I there's like, nothing else. But don't you feel like a lot of people feel like the system is so broken that voting like they're only choosing between two people that both people aren't going to help them right that's like but see i don't believe like people may have that sense but we need to figure out how to there's you'll never get the perfect you're never going to get the one person you know you'll never get the one person who's going to fix everything or who's going to say and do everything a hundred percent correctly every single time you're not even gonna you're gonna have even a choice between two people you don't like mm-hmm. right but you, you have to make the better of the two choices like that's just life like we mm-hmm. have to just make we have to say okay this is not a good choice this is not a good choice but this is a better choice than this choice right and we have to make if that's all that's happening then we have to run and then we have to hold those people accountable you know like we have to attend community functions when there's board meetings or there's an issue that we are pressed about or get involved in whatever community local issue that we 
have a you know a question about or want to push i mean i'm just i think that's that's really where where that where we kind of missed the mark you know like as minority groups like we just get agitated and you know um frustrated frustrated and we'll 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 march, we'll protest, but what happens like two weeks after that? What happens a month, two months, yeah. three months, right? Right. We kind of just leave it there, right? We just kind of leave it on the table and just walk away, right? And we'll pick it up later when something else happens. And so right. I think for those like you, you know, that do know like, hey, here's how things work. Here's what we can do to really, you know, impact change. You know, it's important for you to speak out and it's important for like us three to make sure that, okay, we communicate how important it is, Right. Right. Voting, understanding just local government, and then also continue to educate ourselves too, you know? For and sure. I by far do not, you know, think that I know a lot about the local government, that process and all, but, you know. Oh, I mean, there's I, always I, I it more to thing. learn. Let me just, you know, inform myself, you know? Let me yeah. book, no, I, let me, you know, find some articles, let me seek some people that at least can give me some advice or point me in the right direction where I can, you know, better inform myself. And then right. once we have that information, it's important for us to share in our groups, you know? Yeah. We all have no. chats, groups that we talk to on a regular basis. And maybe instead of like sending those memes, right, we send a good article, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the part that we miss, right? We just kind of go back to our norm, right? Right. And we're quick to talk about, you know, NBA on TNT is back, right? Right, right. Share something that's going to help, you know, someone be more informed and actually understand, like, the value, right? And understand how things work a little bit more. Because maybe if we entice somebody and we kind of give them a little bit, then they'll go on their own and and continue to research. I mean, I think we've got to start it for for, for it. I'll say this about the Trump era. Like, I saw so many people on my Facebook or whatever in the last four years get just and i mean this is all anecdotal of course but i see so many more political posts from people who were never said or wrote or did anything about politics in the whole time i knew them some from like grade school some from like puc high school (laughs) or whatever right there's just so much more i feel like it's generated i think it's awakened in people the importance like if you don't vote this is what can happen. Like, this is who can enter under the cover of, like, just being like, eh, well, enough people. The polls all say, uh, 538 says uh, Hillary's gotten it in the bag. Like, I'm good. I don't need to head to the polls today. Like, you know, I, I think that's why what, you know, you probably saw that Killer Mike um, speech he gave in Atlanta, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Where he was yeah. like, you got a plot plan strategize organize mobilize like that's so true like that's exactly what you should do like all these protests i hope there's they're like voter registration people out at these protests like signing people up right through like that's when you're gonna be at your most mobilized to do something right like sign up get mail-in ballots you know get absentee ballots like do whatever don't let like because i know there's some states that try to keep people from voting but they can't keep you from voting like there's a way to do it find out what they're trying to do if you need to show this card or that card find out the election is still five six months away like go find out what you need to do and like 
do make sure you're ready <laughs> you know like we you can't show up on election day and just be like oh i didn't know like you have time like right now <laughs> we need to find out like we cannot let like these kind of politicians enter the mainstream i mean like, like so like the, the thing is like i just like in our circle of you know where we live and things like i mean there's just i i still don't know how there are that many people that like half of our country pretty much voted for trump you know and I mean, no i mean it's just like i feel like you know we see our friends do a lot but i mean half the country is feels the, the other way or like you know at least with how they're voting but everyone That's, was so everyone was so charged though if you think about you know the racial divide did hap did continue yeah. or mm -hmm. expand right yeah. during obama's years right yeah and so I think at that point it was just a matter of like let's just get somebody in there. It doesn't really matter, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I mean, and how that's sad that's, is that? Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. But it, I mean, the dude I think was that, the, that's he's the literally the best dude you could have, have literally. I can't think of a, a character, intelligence, uh, communication abilities. He had it all, and they completely just every little thing he did, there was a controversy about. It's like you literally took the best dude and you made it a controversy because he's black. Like, <laughs> like, it's unreal to me. You took the smartest, like, you took the most intelligent, the best communicator and someone with real empathy to all people. And you just th like you replaced him with this moron, loudmouth idiot like. I the 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 whiplash is unreal, bro. Like I, t I'll never get over this. Like I'll never get over that moment. Like that day after election day. I remember I was talking to Josh Ocalo on the phone. I was in Memphis, and I was like, I can't look at white people right now. Like I can't look at anyone in the eye right now. Like because I know the demographic breakdown of who voted for this dude. Like. I can't look these I can't look these people in the eye right now. Like it's just unreal to me someone with that low character, that low intelligence, that low communication skill, you just made him president because you hated the black guy who was so much better before him. Unreal. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, this yeah. country, like, like yeah. I, to me, I see that and I'm like, how will we ever fix this country when 40% are still behind this buffoon? Like, how will we, how will it ever get fixed? <laughs> In this 2020, it's not, it's not 1968, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, I was listening, I haven't gotten all the way through. Ta-Nehisi Coates was, had an interview with Ezra Klein on his podcast uh just came out today i think i was listening to some of it and he was tanahasi coates is usually pretty like not hopeful you know when it comes to like racial stuff but he was yeah. actually sounding like he spoke to his father who was you know was 22 years old during the race riots had just come back from vietnam and had joined the black panthers and like he was talking to his dad like hey how does this moment compared to 1968 and he said that his dad told him 
well, this moment's like a million times more sophisticated and better than 1968. Like 1968, we were just angry and like people were just destroying things here. And, and he said in 1968, it was just us. Like yeah. there weren't white people out there with us. There weren't other races with us. Like in this moment, you're seeing protests with people from all races in the protest. You're seeing like a solidarity among different racial groups that you just didn't see in the past. And that's hopeful, you know, and it's way more organized. Like Tanasi Coates was saying, like, Black Lives Matter might be the most like impactful movement in his lifetime that's actually like produced legitimate changes in this country in like a really short amount of time. Yeah, and I would I, agree with that. Yeah. I, I, mean, I don't think you can you can say that name with without someone recognizing it, right? Right. And feeling, you know, some type of way, right? Yeah. So that right. says a lot, right? What are they, 2013, I think? So, yeah. I mean, it was pretty much right out. It was like during Ferguson, right? So I think it was 2013. Um, yeah. And so you can think about just that impact in that short period of time that, you know, obviously that's why they have the issues that they have with different groups infiltrating them, right? Because of their voice, because of that influence, because it's easy to kind of tag it onto them. Because everyone knows them, everyone under knows that movement, you know. Right. But I think there there is some hope, like you said, because of how cross sectional the protests have been, right? Yeah. How many groups are coming together? If you think about you know Blackout Tuesday, and right. you know I get it, you see celebrities, and I wasn't too like super impressed with that. That wasn't the thing that was, that like set it off for me to like, man, this is serious. But when right. you see different companies, right? Um, and that have leaders that are, are, are white right? or that are non-black and right. to take that kind of stance knowing that you're going to alienate, you know, a certain group, right? And you're, you know, there's some financial risk clearly, right? Yeah. And I think money is the biggest bargaining chip. So if you're willing to take a stance knowing that it's, it's going to damage your brand in that aspect, right? That shows that there's, there's definitely some change, you know, we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, definitely a, a long, 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 long way to go. But at least and I some think allies. this, com- and I mean, I think this reframes things like Colin Kaepernick in a totally new light, right? Like, oh, man. you yeah. when when a, someone when the NFL season starts and people start kneeling, like you can't like if you try to hate on that, you're going to look extremely foolish in light of everything that's happened the last couple of weeks. Like, I think well, it's completely what, uh, put Drew into perspective. Did, basically. What's that? That's basically what Drew, Drew Brees did. Like, right. And he Drew. immediately got like, mm-hmm. I think the only thing that's going to change is that you just won't hear it. Right. Yeah. You, you, you won't be, you won't risk saying something about it. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean the feelings will it's change. The, feel- but the feelings may know. still be there. Yeah, yeah, you just won't say mm-hmm. anything publicly about it. Because I used like, to oh, want... man, I'm, I'm going to get killed on this, you know? Yeah. yeah. Look at Drew Brees. Like, look how quick that was. He makes a statement. And then they're, you know, literally, I think it was that same day where, like, his te- the team was meeting. It wasn't even yeah, his they, team. Yeah, like, yeah, the team was like, meeting. Yeah. You know, like, damn <laughs> They were about to like, blow oh. up their, the whole chemistry. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the team. It's not like, oh, you know, his family, his agent. The organization right. is meeting like same day or the next day to figure out, oh man, this is 
Like we got to figure this out because it's going to be. I mean, really, the really irony bad. is he posted one of those blackout Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, yeah. that's the other it, part. I think yeah. that's where I'm like a little more skeptical. Like, I understand. And he, he was there like, for I, Katrina. I, I'm like, are you, come on, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like you were right there. <laughs> like there, I think. I think in some ways it can be kind of virtue signaling when I see companies or whatever doing stuff like that. Like, I get it. There is some financial risk, but I think they also know there's financial risk by them not doing that. Oh, yeah. There's definitely some gain from that, too. Right. Right. For sure. Absolutely. Like Nike has completely like sunk into this entire notion. Right. Like Nike is all in on like they've been consistent, though. They have, but then it's like, you can, like, where are their shoes being made? Like, who's making their shoes? And, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm glad y'all are, like, on board for this, like, equality. Yeah, but don't don't look too closely. (laughs) Yeah, like, let's not, like, so, I mean, it's like, I get it. Like, no company, no business, whatever is going to be perfect. And I prefer this to the alternative of silence or, like, you know, Republicans buy Nikes, too, or whatever. The, like, you know, like, I prefer this to... That kind of stance where was it's that a kind Jordan of like, reference? Was... Yeah. <laughs> That's a Jordan reference. Oh, the last dance I like that. You threw that in. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's, throw not that even, in. let's not even go down yeah, this road. <laughs> I mean Oh my goodness. I mean, Larry, but what do you what is your what do you think about all like, you know, guys like LeBron, um, obviously Kaepernick, yeah, other yeah, people yeah. who are like yeah, really being about? outspoken, mm-hmm. like a lot of athletes, like do you feel like that helps things or do you feel like it's doesn't change things one way or the other or like oh, it what helps. Do you th- it it yeah. helps. It helps if if you're consistent, you know? And I think if you're right. constantly, you know, stepping out and, and, and being a voice, especially knowing that the platform that you have, right, I think it's yeah. important. Um, I mean, it's, I, I, yeah. When you look at the, with, what was it, Laura Ingram's, like, her statement, right? Yeah, It's great to be able to show those clips together, right? To yeah. see what she said about Drew Brees and then what she said about LeBron. Right, to really yeah. help highlight, you know what's the really the true difference because what she said about LeBron applies to Drew Brees, right? Right. You know, the only difference is probably maybe the dollar amount that she quoted, right? About how much LeBron makes, right. you know? So then it highlights, okay, what's the real reason, right? Why can one do it and the other one can't? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Then you think about, you know, historically the athletes, what they've done, you know, Muhammad Ali, right? And, and I think if all, all these athletes kind of band together and took a stance, um, and we're willing, like how Cap did, right, to really just say, you know what, I can walk away from this. I'm fine, you know. Yeah. My stance is that important that I can walk away. What would happen if, like, the NFL players, you know, all the black NFL players said, you know what, we're not going to play until Cap, you know, gets signed somewhere. You know? Yeah. Like contract, like whatever the case may be. Like I don't. It doesn't matter. Like sue me. All this. Like literally, all of us were just going to sit. You know? Right. You know what would happen across sports if 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 they did that? Yeah. And so I think the, sometimes the problem is that you know you get in a position, and it's not just athletes, right? We're all in a position too where we have to think about our jobs, right? Right. So we're not going to go out and just kind of make some crazy comments without really making sure that we think through it, and it's not too um, controversial sometimes because we're thinking, okay, we represent you right. know a company. 
right? And there's a livelihood attached to that for our families, right? Right. And so I think it's not until like you're able to risk that, right? And we're and, all, and pro- I mean, unity. we're all, we are all like professionals, you know, like right. we have like, there's like, it's almost like there's a code of conduct as a professional. Yeah. You try to maintain like, I know online I'm very cognizant of the fact that like, even though it's like, I can probably say whatever right now without any like repercussions to me, you know, through my fellowship or through whatever, you know, employment. Yeah. Like, I don't think it would. But at the same time, it's like, oh, I'm a professional. Like, I ha- I can't like I can't just wild out on people the way I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a. I feel like social media is such a huge thing with with everything that's happened recently, in like, a good way or a bad way. Well, I mean, there's both of it, but like just the, like the whole police brutality and killing black. Like this has happened, been happening. It's just now it's been being shown, right? And like yep. everybody can see it. It's not like just right. a few people are like know about this. Um, I'm, I'm so worried about the social media. Aspect I mean, the social this. media aspect does have like I, I wanted to get Larry's take on that because I feel like a lot of people feel like they need to say something, or some people don't. And I didn't know like what Larry thought about that. Like, like yeah, people everyone, that don't everyone. say anything. Yeah, like, like I'm, a, friends, I'm a, like your friends that aren't saying so anything I don't, about it. I don't it. say much, especially on social media. And I've, you know, I've been reading different things about how you know silence is basically like not doing anything and silence and violence yeah so i mean there are things i i feel like me actually doing something about something versus just posting something and not doing something is more effective you know like i don't know i just wanted to know your thoughts on that i think sadly posting has become reality right yeah and so Mm -hmm. You know, if there's no picture of it, 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 ha- it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, right. um, the way I look at it, because we're always posting so much, there's just so much information. The The bad aspect of social media is that it becomes the one source for information, you know? Mm-hmm. But right. if you have a, a certain group of friends, then you're only going to get one side each time, right? Exactly. That's what's going to be on your timeline. That's right? exactly it. And so now That's I the have fear. 35 different examples of the same thing. So I think... Uh, it's facts now, right? It's reinforcing. Exactly. Yeah, it can't be, you know, I have, you know, this array of people saying the same thing. But no, your grouping's the same, right? So you're going to get the same message. So that's the problem that we have in just the social media aspect that you don't do your own research because you feel like your people on your timeline are your research. You know? mm-hmm. Everything so is like, like our timelines are all curated. We're only right. following the people yeah. we want to follow. We're not getting yeah. any information from other sources so we're right. all in like our little bubbles and we're all talking amongst ourselves and we're just like ginning each other up like patting ourselves on the back like oh so we all put the we all put the black screen up on tuesday we're all like making a difference like no we didn't do shit like yeah well if you, if you don't like country music right and then you, you don't follow any country music artists and now you're thinking like the best songs are just from r&b rap or whatever other genre that you have Right. But then you don't have the other aspect to think like, OK, well, maybe if I did. Right. I'd see another song that maybe I liked. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we when we use social media as our only resource, then we just become so like tunnel visioned into one direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's a problem when it comes to religion, politics and whatever else. 
But yeah. for me, I look at it like, so I know Ernie, you're saying like you don't post, right? And that's yeah, fine. I, but well, I, I look at yeah, when ahead. you mm-hmm. post, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I made a comment, I think, last week, you know, that I'm kind of watching everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like a, just a, a call out <laughs> to just my friends because I'm okay if you're not posting, right? But if your first post is about the riots and looting right. and that, then I'm concerned, right? Yes. Because you felt so, you know, convicted, right? For a person to that talk post, about that, you know, not only post. So, you know, if every day you're posting your kids, what you ate, all that stuff, and you just only post anyways, I'm okay. But you rarely post, right? But the first time you posted, it was about this. Mm-hmm. So that also means that most likely, right, you saw the video, right, right, of George Floyd, and, and so you didn't post. So did you just just keep scrolling, right? right. Was that okay? Mm-hmm. But then when someone's car burned down, then you're like, ah, now I got to post. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's worrisome to me because I'm like, okay, then you probably have just a that tunnel vision as well too, well, and, it, and it shows their priorities. Not gonna, yeah, not only like, priorities, like you're not even gonna try to understand then, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not even going to try to understand at all, and so that's I think the part that's just more concerning, right? Where we're using it it as a way to just do quote unquote research, but you have the same friends. And second, it's really that that other part of when you post about something, you know, because mm-hmm. it does yeah. show your priorities. And I think yeah. this whole thing really, to me, um, it showed me a lot about people that I thought I knew. You know, mm-hmm. yep. That I thought I knew well, right? Based on what they posted, right? Yep. And I was like, "What you?" Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Man, you had me fooled all along," you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and I, and I almost feel like a lot of probably of like Drew Brees' teammates. Maybe I could be wrong. They probably know you know him better as well. But I feel like yeah. there's certain things that come out. You're like, "Wait, huh?" I'm sure he shocked a lot of people from the outside, but maybe his teammates knew all along like that's how he stood on that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's there's so many people that shock you that you're like, hey, you've been to my house, like, right? I've known you since right. you were like in second well, grade. Dude. Like we used to play basketball together. Like, and, and that, you know, like you have all, like this grouping, like how are you insensitive to the fact that this is that's, happening disproportionately Larry, and that's to us? One- Dude, and that's the thing. Someone on Twitter wrote that. Someone was like, you know, this goes to exemplify just because you are surrounded with black people in your life does not mean you're going to have the empathy that is required. And Drew Brees is a classic example. Like, he's literally surrounded by black teammates 24-7 during the season. And they're all in the trenches together, right? Right. Mm -hmm. They are literally like... They are trying to get on the same page for a common goal and they're working together like there's a real camaraderie and team unity there. Right. And he still had this massive blind spot, you know. Yeah. And I think it's just so insane to, to, to think that like someone could be that ensconced. Like you got to imagine that dudes in the locker room are talking freely amongst themselves. Oh, yeah. Each Like he hears everything. Like everyone in that locker room hears all the conversation going on between everyone. You'd think that like being in the like milieu of 
that kind of culture of all your teammates, you would have a little more sensitivity. Even if you felt a certain way about kneeling, the way you express that, you would think you would find a way to say it in a way that wouldn't completely dismiss your entire team of Mm -hmm. black teammates, you know? And and I wouldn't be surprised if he... You know, he has seen the profiling personally, right? Going out with his teammates, right? Yeah. And so you'd think that, like you said, being in the midst of all that, that he would have a better understanding. And it's not like he said anything like that was racist. It was just, it was so insensitive in timing, right? And, right. you know, for him that was in the NFL, like you knew the whole cap situation as well. Like you just expect more from him. Right. right. You think like if anyone should know, right? You would think it would be him. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and I mean I think that's then, why we should not take for granted other people who are in a similar Absolutely. situation in our lives. We're like, oh, yeah. you used to hang with us, like blah blah blah. Like yeah. you will probably be down. Like you probably understand. Like no, Mm-mm. no, they don't. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> like. That understanding, like, some people have it and some don't. And it's uh, some of it is just a matter of, like, educating yourself, you know? Like, I think that's been a process for me. I know I'm continuing to educate myself. And this is despite me as a, like, being in the first, second, third grade being called the N-word because I was the only, like, dark-skinned person in <laughs> in Yuma, Arizona, right? Like, in my yeah. little Christian one room school like like even despite that there are were a lot of things that i needed to learn along the way especially when i got into high school and then college especially like and even like i said like between freddie gray 2015 and 2020 my thinking has changed and i mean and that's coming from a perspective of someone who's obviously not black but who's experienced various forms of racism like police pulling me over like i i shave my head <laughs> like i don't necessarily look like the average indian dude like when i'm out and about yeah. like you know the african i knew that was a problem <laughs> as soon as you did it's like oh he's in trouble now. <laughs> the, the african and welcome to my dude. world <laughs> this is not You're by choice either <laughs> all right he's gonna feel this talk about empathy dude when i was in memphis i mean even the black nurses didn't know i wasn't black like (laughs) i mean it's just like but even then it's like i don't i also understand like there's just different like i don't i'm not i'm kind of like on a track where I can see some of the things a little more clearly than maybe a white person can. But I know I'm also not at like, I just, because I have like, you know, a lot of black friends or some of my best friends are black or whatever. Like that doesn't mean anything. Like I could still have some ridiculously large blind spots to way different races and cultures, like experience things in this country, you know, and like, it's their experience. Mm -hmm. Like I can't, even though I can say, yeah. okay, well, that doesn't make sense or blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I would be looking at it from this view instead of that view or whatever. Like, it's like, it is what it is. Like, we have to work. We have to try to figure out. And, and this is the thing. Like, we're not going to eliminate racism, right? Like, that's not the goal. <laughs> I mean, it is the goal, but it's not going to happen. Like, we will always have racism in this country. Like, I think of India. 
in India, there's like from north to south, there's light skinned Indians all the way to the bottom, dark skinned Indians, right? Like, and there's racism yeah. in India yeah. between Indians, and they're all Indians. They all speak Hindi, but the dark skinned yeah. Indians in the movies are always like the clowns and the like. They're just like the bum, like the just the bumbling <laughs> fools, and it's always the light skinned Indians who are like the the like protagonists and the heroes and the like. And you know, like I have family members and like I know people in the dark, you know, from India. Like my family's all from the southern part, and they all want to get their skin lighter and they want to look lighter you know like my mom used to tell me don't go outside too long like you're gonna get darker like you know like that that <laughs> stuff exists you know like that is in that's in, yeah. in your brain like you learn that like people have this and so i understand that but the thing i think the goal needs to be creating a system that is able to like it's a systems problem right we need to find a system that is like Okay, we know there's going to be inherent biases among people, but how do we develop a system that looks beyond that, that doesn't care about that, you know? Like, how do flawed people create a system based off checklists, and this is just boom, 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 we're going to go by the rule book, and we're going to apply it impartially? Like, how do we do that? Like, I think that is the enormous challenge in front of everyone is creating a system that's just fair and that doesn't discriminate or at least decreases the amount of discrimination possible, you know? Because I just don't think we're ever going to get rid of discrimination in this country. Like, we're, I, I just, I, I, I'm just so pessimistic about the possibility of, like, racism disappearing. And I think Donald Trump's election, like, completely solidified that for me. Like, I just am like, okay, we're never going to get rid of racism. Like, it's 2016. We are, like, into the 21st century, and we are nowhere close to getting rid of racism. Like, there's still parts of the South where, like, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to go there by myself at night. Like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know, like, it's not happening. <laughs> you know? And yeah, it, eliminating racism is, is a difficult task, right? Because it's also global, right? Yeah. And so then you have to add in that tribalism, right? And so it's just, it's such a challenge uh, just across the whole entire world. Right. And so like you said, I think it's just creating a system that has that transparency, right? right? And so that people can be held accountable. And that's it. And I think back to our example of social media in that timeline, you know, we just have to add more people on your timeline that have a different view. Because right. you know, I think that's the only way. Like, you have to be just inundated with just information that comes from different perspectives that just forces you to see it. You know? Yeah. You're going to be on Instagram all day. So I got to figure out how to add more people that make you follow people that have a different thought process. You know? Yeah, that's Because if you keep rough. seeing all these things, you know, constantly, constantly, at some point you're going to have to ask. Or at least you can't continue to hold your belief, right? Because it doesn't match your timeline. You know? Yeah. I mean, the data that you're receiving, you know, doesn't doesn't validate or, you know, you can't use it as a reference point to your point, you know? Yeah. Because that's not what you're seeing. For me, that the comes to right like now, everyone has the same perspective. For, for me, it's like I am happy to have people with differing views on race, politics, whatever, and see those pages on my feed. But I yeah. they need to come from a place of good faith. 
not like uh, we're going to trigger the libs kind of meme shit posting. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot of um, like I have a lot of friends from like way back and from whatever who (laughs) obviously we've like diverged significantly over the years. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying like, I keep scrolling by the way. So don't (laughs) (laughs) no, like, so I can't like, I don't want to see their posts. I don't, that does nothing for me. That does not inform me. That does not do any, I know these kind of people exist and are out there. I would rather talk to someone who's like, Maybe like they're on that similar wavelength, but they're able to have a conversation about it. They have a rationale and an intellect about it. Not these people who literally are just blindly following their leader because it's like they think he's so great and everything he does is perfect. Like, no, give me someone who's actually thought through these issues and thinks, no, the reason I'm for police blue lives matter or whatever is because X, Y, Z, like you know, and break it down for me. And like, to me, it's like, if I can have a conversation with someone like that, I'm apt to do it. And I'm apt to look at their posts. But if it's just like, rando shit posting, like trigger the lib type stuff, it's so dumb. I'm like, I don't want to look at this. Like, yeah, but you, you, you need it too. Otherwise, you're going to be just like the people we're talking about where they don't have that different perspective. You know, yeah, and I and I think the other part too for me because I've there's so many times I'm just scrolling through on the comments, I'm just gonna stop following this person or I'm just gonna delete this person. <laughs> right, right, you know? right. But then I need that reminder sometimes too, so I don't get comfortable and think that you know I'm not somebody's enemy, right? You know, or to think it's actually safe, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And so I think about just going out with a group of friends and where I'm the only black person, but when we sit down in the restaurant or wherever else we're at, I got to think about okay. Where are the exits, you know? Right. And I got to think about, okay, let's see. What's the breakdown racially in this place, right. you know? Is it all one group, right? Right, right. Or do I see kind of like a mixture, you know? Because in that, you know, there's a level of comfort or discomfort depending on what those numbers are. Right? Yeah. So, you're like, you're the only person that's going to ever think that. And everyone else can kind of walk freely in there. And they're probably having a good time. And that never crosses their mind. Right. But if you don't have that person on your timeline, right, that shares those crazy views, you're going to get comfortable to a point that you don't look for those exits. You don't count how many people are in there, right? Right, right. And then when something pops off, you're going to be like, why the hell was I even in this area? You know? Right. Why didn't I see the signs? And so every time I think about like, okay, let me unfollow this person. Let me delete this person. I think, okay, no, I I need somebody that kind of just kind of checks me sometime to remember like, you know what? You're still black. Hmm. And just because, you know, you come from a good family, you're Christian, you're educated, you got your doctorate, all this stuff, like, it doesn't matter, you know? Right. You still can get pulled over, right? You know? Right, right. You still have the potential to be on the ground, right? That could be you right there. Dude. And so, like Baldwin said, like, to be black in America is to live in a constant state of rage, right? Hmm. And unfortunately, like, we've had to, like, have this minimal, like, rage constantly because that's the only way that you stay safe you know right mm-hmm. and you, you kind of like do it right at times and you got to put up with some of these microaggressions at work right and some of these some of the slip talk 
Right. But it's also a good reminder, like, you know what? I don't care what position I have right now. It's a good reminder that, you know what? I'm not like them. And no matter what, they're always going to view me in a certain way, in a certain light. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. when they say, oh, my God, Steve, you're so articulate. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, what does that even mean? You know? Yeah. Like, did I advance, like, your stereotypes? Like, did I break the barrier that you had for someone that looked like me? Mm-hmm. You know? Right, right. And, and to you, is that really a compliment that you'd say it so boldly? You know? Right. Like, you're commending me from exceeding your stereotype of me. Right. You know? Which is baffling. Right. And it could be someone that you, like, highly respect, right? And in other areas, you know, you're able to kind of sit down and just see different perspectives. But in this area, they still have that view. Right. You know? And so much so that they probably don't even see it. They don't understand it. They don't know it. You know? And so then if you don't have those different viewpoints on your timeline that trigger you and don't provide nothing, right? you know, you'll get comfortable. Man, I got to the one with the bullets. I got to I got to go. Uh, I got to go uh, uh, put a bunch of people back on my timeline that I've hidden. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not saying like just, you know, do that. I'm just saying that you can just keep scrolling through. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Not too many. I'm not saying like flood your yeah. time. No, 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 no. I know but what you, you mean, you, though. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and you, you don't want to like fully eliminate. And it's useful the, information. I I like, I want to know who these people are. Yeah, I want to know because when I go and yeah. see you in person, that's going to be in the back of my head. I'm going to be thinking about that. I'm going to be like, you know what? I know. I know what this person's about, you know? Yeah. Plus, if you're in a car and you get pulled over with this guy, like you want to know where they stand, you know? <laughs> or, True. Or, or if, like, you're, if you're like a fight, right? Right. You know? Who's going to have your Us back? Together and like on the low, like I hate Indian people, right? <laughs> and a fight breaks out. Like you you need to know like am I going to like help fight people off or am I going to jump in and start beating both of you guys up too? You know? <laughs> but, <laughs> you know. I mean. And it's, and it's funny, but it's true. Like you have to know like, okay, I need to know where you stand. Yeah. And that's why I said earlier, like it was, it was crazy for me to realize People that I thought would fight with me, mm. right? Actually, I think would jump in and help beat me up. Mm. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I'm like, dang, at two brutality. I'm like, dang, <laughs> what's going on? You know? <laughs> I mean, and, but I think, and this is where I try to think of like, okay, if we have this issue and we know these people personally, like, this is where our personal relationship, like, we need to take, like, Sometimes I'm like, okay, maybe I should just give people the most charitable, like when someone does say like, oh, you're so articulate or something like that, when it's kind of like a microaggression, but you know, like maybe when they say it though, they're being absolutely a hundred percent genuine, even though yes, it's exceeding some expectation or stereotype that they previously held. Like that's true, but they're not, but it's not coming from a place of like, hatred right like they're saying it right. in a really meaningful they're in, they're ge- complimentary warm way right and that's like where i'm like those kind of people i don't want to jump on them you know what i mean like i don't want to just be like oh you're microaggressing me you're like you're such a racist or whatever like i just think like you completely have no hope of reaching any of these kind of people if that's the like insta take and i know like especially on social media and twitter or you know like in the like really super woke community like that sometimes i see that reaction from people you know like if you don't do like 
I thought about this a lot in terms of like um, cultural appropriation, right? Like some people, they just really like something. <laughs> like they're not meaning to confiscate your culture per se, even though that's maybe what's happening at this technical level. But they really just either they really like dreadlocks and how it looks on them or they really like something that is meant for like culture like you know in Indian culture and like special events the girls where they put the henna on their hands you know like so I mean a lot of people do that right like I've seen a lot of white people and other people that put that on their hands or whatever like and I'm like and I've seen like super liberal people just jump on them and just like berate people for that kind of stuff and I'm kind of like I understand why it's a problem. I don't know if the way to tackle it is by yelling at them as if they had just done something super egregious, like call someone the N-word or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's not on the same yeah. level. Like, these people are perhaps are super well-meaning and may, might not know how that, like, can be offensive or whatever. And maybe they don't mean it in an offensive way at all, you know? And... I think the intention matters to a big degree that we that is completely lost in these like cases of like even the people we know where they do say or post something that is quasi offensive or offensive even like some of it may be and this is just me giving like the most charitable take on it is like they just don't know. Like, they're just ignorant. Like, they just don't know. And they don't mean it in any harmful way. But like we were saying earlier, like, their experiences, the way they were brought up, and the way all of the influences on their life have only given them this much understanding on these kind of issues. And they don't mean to be offensive. They don't mean to, like, trigger people. They're just, like, really just doing what they think is, like, a right thing or a good thing or a neutral thing and i feel yeah. like those kind of people we have to have just like conversations with and be super empathetic towards like we can't jump on them because then you turn them into enemies like if as soon as you just say racist at someone like that like you lost them you have no chance at ever like because now they're just going to be like well, I didn't mean this in a racial way whatsoever and now I'm being accused of race this is what they must mean when people like white people say oh it's all about race all the time or something you know what i mean like and they just are like wait that's not how i'm looking at it like why am i being accused of that like in this really like pointing finger kind of way and i'm i think i'm trying to be like we need to be able to have some level of persuasion especially with the people in our lives that we know like yeah that I think can get lost in the way a lot of activism takes place because the activists are the most, they're the most zealous, right? They're the zealots among us. They're the ones that are the most gung ho. They're the most like take charge frontline. They're on top of everything. But I think you can lose a little, there can be some blind spots even amongst activists towards like, okay, well, this is all, this is all a, a movement that's got to head towards something and it's got to be heading towards changing hearts and minds of people who will make an impact at the voting box 
and it's about mobilizing your people because right now like the minority is still the minority like you can mobilize all a hundred percent of the minority and you're still gonna lose like you know what i mean like the majority yeah. is still the majority. Like that's not changed yet. And you're never going to win 100% of all black people. Like there are black people that voted for Trump. There are Mexicans that voted for Trump. There are Asians that voted for Trump. Like you're never going to win 100% of any like no group is monolithic. There's it's just a huge diversity of thought well, within Biden Biden disagrees though. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my god. Joe Biden, just keep your mouth shut and stay at home, bro. Wear your mask, all right? November's coming. Just hang on. <laughs> just get... No, but I, I, th I think you're right. Um, and I've had to do that as well, too. Just, it's so easy to kind of jump on somebody, yeah. right? And it doesn't really apply to just the ones that are, like you're saying, like, hey, they're putting the hen on and they just think it's cool. Yeah. Dread. I think it's cool. It could also be the ones that are really just like out there that you know are just so like off. Yeah. Right. Um, and instead of like jumping on them, like as hard as it is, and that's something that I've had to do, especially this week. Last week I wasn't. I was totally like just jump. You yeah, know, I was jumping. But this week it's like you know what? Maybe you know I just need to give somebody a chance Benefit of the and time. and ask for dialogue, right? Yeah. Because that's what I expect from somebody else, right? Yeah. If I want someone to hear me, right? How am I going to jump on someone too? Right. So I saw someone post like "All Lives Matter" and the "Person's a Cop" and all that, oh God, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, here we go, you know. <laughs> so I scrolled past it and I was like, it just bothered me. So I, scrolled, I went back up to it and I was looking at it. I'm like, oh, let me see the comments. You know, yeah, like, yeah, I would yeah. Just, you know, CSI this yeah, thing. You yeah. know, like, oh, let's see, like, who posted? Oh, what do they look like? Oh, what are, what yeah, profession do they have? Right. Oh, you got a Bible verse? Perfect. Got a Bible <laughs> yeah. Verse. Oh, great. <laughs> but you just made this comment. Love it. You know. You know, and then I went back and I'm like, man, I went to school with this guy. Yeah. You know? And so then I just messaged him, like, hey, like, what did you mean by that? Mm. You know? Like, and then I left it like that. And then I came back to him, like, yeah, that's kind of, that might come off just kind of aggressive, like I'm looking mm -hmm. for a bite. And so then I just, I went and said, hey, um, you know, just wanted to kind of get a chance to just have a conversation on this you know kind of pick your brain and just get your perspective that's on, good on man. what's going on shoot you know dude that's you're and a bet you're a good bro, man larry <laughs> like because no, i i definitely i'm that preaching i'm not practicing what i preach like i definitely i have a breaking point and i'm like i can't deal with this level of stupidity i gotta it, jump in and just, just go happened, off it happened today though so don't give me too much credit it literally happened today you know yeah um and so like we had a really good conversation you know and then um we're, we're going to continue it later on, but at least he was able to see like my side of thing and my perspective. And I told him about the different experiences I've had with cops and how, yeah. you know, I said like probably 80% of my experiences have been bad, mm. you know? Uh, and, I, and I gave him examples and I felt like I would think, right. From my viewpoint, based on my background that I wouldn't fit that profile. Right. right? You're economic. That stereotype. <laughs> Right. I'm, you're yeah. well off. You're educated. You're have a good professional right. job. Mm -hmm. And I told him, like, man, I got I said I got pulled over so many times going back and forth from like Ukaipa to Loma Linda where I was going to study. Mm -hmm. You know, I said it got to a point like I literally changed how I dressed. Yeah. You know? And so I was explaining to him like what that does. Right. And, and that feeling that loss of power. Right. right. And. To, to have to change something about yourself so that way someone else feels more comfortable in, in their stereotype. 
you know? And I said, that's why there's that mistrust. And I said, that's, and that's just my experience, Hmm. you know? And I'm sure there's more that have like, you know, crazier things that have happened to them. And obviously it's led to death in in many cases for some, Right. right? And I said, so when you say all lives matter, right? That's how dismissive it is of my experience. Right. You know? I mean, and it's just. And, and, and you have to have those conversations. And sometimes, like, we have to step out and just be the bigger person in a way so that at least, at the very least, right, they've heard, like, your side of things and it's in their mind. Right. Whether they change or not, who cares? And they know right? someone. Like, that, that's on them. They know yeah, you. They, they can identify. It's not just like Black Lives is, Matter. It's not a protester on the exactly. screen. It's Larry, who I know. Exactly. Like I went to, you know, junior high with this yeah. guy. You know, we used to play basketball together. Like we were friends. Like in our mm-hmm. group, that you know, it was him. There's like it was just a diverse group, and so at least that person is more willing to hear from me than someone else that looks like me because my I, I leverage my relationship. Right. You know? See, that's and the so, smart. Like, we have to do that. We have yeah. to like leverage those relationships with like the people that are just just popping off, saying some just crazy stuff. That if you saw them, like your first instinct would probably be like to punch them out. Yeah, you know? man, you're. But like, you I mean, I think to, like, what you said. Uh, you I think what you said. 100%. Yeah, like definitely like just you. Like no one's gonna if they have a belief is just gonna just all of a sudden change it. But the more information yeah. you give them, and that's how things slowly change. And you and they identify it with someone real. Yeah. It's kind of like how like LGBT rights really started moving once a lot of those people came out of the closet and they were like, oh, wait, hold up. That's my cousin. That's my uncle. That's my mm-hmm. sister. That's my like once they started identifying people like I think of Dick Cheney, right? Like his daughter is lesbian and he was not down with the anti-LGBT crowd, even though his entire party was at the time. You know what I mean? Like that, it changes when the relationships and the people you know are coming out and speaking. And I have definitely not done this. Like it, and it because it's harder work. Like what you did, having that conversation, be willing to take the time and just have this dialogue is a lot harder than me just giving some snarky like Facebook comment to someone who I think is just trolling me and being an idiot, you know, like it's like that yeah, because takes that, work. That troll is just, you know, because that troll is going to go into just random skewed data, right. you know, because that's how you go into that. Oh, what about black on black crime? Right. You know? Oh yeah. How many black people are killed every day? Do you know, statistically, da, 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 right. you know, and that's just, a, that's stupid, <laughs> you know, that, that gets nowhere whatsoever. Right. Right. But that's because of like, like that. I think that timeline example that we've been talking about is like the best analogy, and it's like the best way to 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 really, you know, summarize all of this, right? right? Because they only go to that data because that's all they see, right? Because all those experiences don't happen to anyone they know or anyone in their family, so it's hard for them to believe it, and they're just getting flooded with all this information that's counter to what everyone else is saying, mm-hmm. you know. And so it, it, it's why people that watch CNN don't watch Fox and people that watch Fox don't watch CNN, right. you know, because if you really want to know the other side, like, why wouldn't you watch the other channel? Right. Then, right? To, to get that perspective, because it's yeah. there. Right. No, I mean, I, I don't want at least in my podcast right. feed, I try to, you know, I, there's a couple of conservative podcasts that I listen to every week, you know, just to try to get like some more. 
thoughtful perspective, you know, but but like when it comes to like the Fox News types, like I just ignore it. Like I try to get the more intellectual conservative viewpoint, you know, on like stuff and not just the like screaming mad blah, 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 like racist, like classist kind of. Yeah, but but then you have those the, the only way that the ones that are like tuned into a Fox, right? News like literally like they're dialed in 100 percent. They get, you know their their breakfast plan their diet plan everything from just that channel like the ones that are like just so like drilled into that the only people that can potentially reach them would be someone that has that relationship that they can leverage you know because in their mindset they're already thinking like oh well steve you know i i hate indians but you're not like the other indians right oh larry you know what i hate black people but you know what you're one of the good ones you know and so they're not gonna listen to anybody else because their stereotype, right, and the, and their their racism and all that just gets in their way that they're not even gonna listen. There's so many layers that you'd have to break through, but at least like you're already in, right? right? And as skewed as their weird perception of how you can be friend with one person or two people but hate their background and think that's okay, like how I don't understand how that works in someone's mind. But if we don't like use that like in that we have. You know, then we won't be able to influence any type of yeah. change. Mm-hmm. You know? I think that because that's hundred percent. They hear you. They hear you in a, in a, in a way that they're like disarmed, yeah. right? Because anyone else, they're just ready to fight you back, and they're just going to throw all those right. stats. You know, and I think about like, uh, like you on your timeline, right? How you were going back and forth yeah. with someone, and me looking in, I'm like, dude, if I jump in on this, it's not going to work. Right. You know. Because I'm like, yeah, this is so stupid. This is so wrong. Like, no, that makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> right. But then I remember he, he said, like, hey, like, we've always been able to have a conversation and blah, blah, right. all that, you know? So even with him saying all those crazy things, right, he still valued the relationship and that he was always open to dialogue. Yeah. Now, he might not have changed his perspective, but at least you're going to be able to speak for us, yeah. right? At least, like, I can tell you my experience and you can tell him, you know, my experience. Because right. he won't hear it from me. But he'll hear it from you. Yeah. And so if we continue to just kind of like use those little ends, I think we'll be able to slowly, you know, infiltrate those people that hold those weird, crazy values and thoughts. And then hopefully eventually, like generationally, right, we kind of weed some of that out. Right. Or at least to a point where I can get to sit down with just just not going to us cussing each other out. Yeah. You know, let's we sit down, have a conversation. I'll get your viewpoint. You'll get my viewpoint. We'll come to compromise, you know, and that way everyone's covered and everyone can still walk away thinking how they think. But, you know, we're not going to kill each other. To me, this is like a gun issue as much as anything else. I feel like the reason why American police are also more quickly on the trigger in this country is because everyone is strapped. Like everyone's able to be strapped. And so they always are assuming that everyone in the country is carrying. You know what I mean? Like. Other countries don't do that. Other countries don't pull out their guns and just shoot people like just because um, they're not as scared because they know most people don't have guns. So they don't resort to the pulling the gun out first. You know, the powder keg is the, the racial element. You throw that on top and it just makes for terrible policing. Like you add the discriminatory and racist kind of underlying racial stereotypes that police officers will have 
that just makes it even worse. But I think, like, the guns plus the race makes it really bad, especially, obviously, for black people. But for me, like, my pet kind of issue's always been, like, guns in this country and, like, just how infatuated we are with guns. But it's just, it feels so weird. Like, Tamir Rice got shot in an open carry state. Like, even if that was a real gun and he, and Tamir Rice was like an, a man holding that gun, they had no right to just roll up and shoot him. It's an open carry state. I'm allowed to carry that gun by law. Like, that's my Second Amendment right. Like, how come those Second Amendment right people aren't out there protesting against the police for shooting someone for open carrying? You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm talking. Like, there's such a discongruence of like how these things are treated. It's like, it makes my head spin. It makes me so angry because you were like, you were only second amendment right people when it comes to white people. And like, I swear, dude, if black people started strapping up and walking around like the white protesters did a couple weeks ago, we would see gun laws come quick, quick. If we all started buying guns and carrying everywhere the way like these, I go to Arizona, I go to pick up burritos and there's dudes just walking around with like handguns, like in their side pieces, like they're John Wayne, like they're going to stop some crime. Like if all black people and all people of color did that, white people would be scared shitless and they would be passing laws to reform guns tomorrow. I 100% believe that. In fact, most of the gun laws we have today stem from Black Panthers starting to arm up in the late 60s and 70s. Like, that's when they started making a lot of those laws. So it's like, I feel like people need to strap up. It's like, you almost, it's a, it's almost like you don't want, it's like if black people did start strapping up though, then like police would shoot them at an even higher clip. So you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't. Like, this so-called Second Amendment that applies to everyone, we're all supposed to be able to get it equally. Yeah, we can get it, but then we're also like at a higher risk of people being scared. Like if I walked into that burrito shop with my gun and it was just sitting there on my hip and someone shot me because they were scared, I bet you that, that we'd get away with it. Oh, he had a gun. Like, yeah, but that's my right, right? Oh, I guess not. <laughs> Earn, you have anything else? Yeah. No, man, we've been going for a while. You know, uh, we want to thank Larry for coming on and uh, talking yeah, with Thanks us. Thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah, you know, going through all these uh, issues with us. We we definitely want to have you back on. Uh, you no, know, I learned a lot too, and I wanted to. Uh, yeah, thank you for that. We we got to have more conversations for sure. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you guys. I mean, it may just ha it may just have to be about. Uh, I know Larry's a big UFC fan. So huge. Oh, you are. Yeah, he's oh, huge. Larry's huge. huge UFC. All right, man. Uh, I'm going to end it. Uh, this right. is Steve. Dirty. Wow, that took too long, bro. You got to say that faster. All right, we're out. <laughs> edit it. Edit it. I wish I knew how it would feel to be free. I wish I could break all the chains holding me I wish I could say all the things that I should say Say I'm loud, say I'm clear For the whole round world to hear 
Keep 